Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast, but not really anymore. I'm one of your hosts, Adam Pranica. I'm your other host, Ben Harrison. Hey, Ben, we're finally here. We're finally a conspiracy. It's probably the episode that inspired the idea of doing a Star Trek podcast to begin with, right? Yeah, I mean, it, like one of the more exciting episodes of, of the series and the penultimate episode in season one, which has also got me feeling really good. We're almost out of one type of woods and into another type of woods. Yeah, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> I think, you know, part of the conceit for this show, our show, our podcast show, is the whole, like, does it hold up? Right? Sure. I, I, for one, have not seen any of these episodes since I was a kid. So it's been fun to just sort of revisit and compare what the reality is versus what the memory is of, of these shows. And so this one, I feel like, was the most memorable episode of maybe the entire series to me as I was watching it. And so I think this is going to be a great experiment into sort of the reason we do a show like this. Does it hold up? Can anything hold up to the scrutiny uh, that we give it compared to our our good feelings that we had about it as a child? Well, let's dive in. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. The Enterprise is en route to Pacifica, uh, which is a planet that they're going to be doing some science at. And... Pacifica is expecting them. It's not a shit name for a planet either. Like, it sounds like a good place. It's not like yeah. Argon 7. <laughs> no. I mean, don't worry. There's there's one of those in here. But uh, yeah, the episode opens with Jordy, like, mid-joke, which I feel like is one of these tropes that you see in television shows where it's like yeah. writers that can't write jokes just come into the joke midstream so you don't get the setup so the punchline is going to be meaningless to you. Yeah. Uh, but Jordy's essentially telling dirty jokes at Khan and Data does a little analysis of why it might be humorous and then does his very upsetting attempt at a <laughs> laugh. <laughs> It is so upsetting. It's as upsetting as his sneeze was several episodes yeah. ago. Yeah. It's such a throwaway moment in this episode, but it's what they chose to open it. <laughs> what do you think Data sounded like when he got off with Tasha Yar? <laughs> Did it sound more like a laugh or a sneeze, you think? Uh, man, that is... Uh... God, his interpretation of what that sound is like has got to be terrifying. Yeah, just a sneeze on a pitch shift. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh. We cut away uh, from this lounge act that Jordy is doing with Data to Picard's quarters because he's he's got a very important message coming in, a highly confidential message. Yeah, they get a, an unusual alert sound plays and... They radio down to Picard, who's asleep, and he is roused from sleep to a Code 47 message, which is, I guess, for captain's ears only. And he gets on the view screen, and it's his 
friend Captain Walker Keel of the USS Horatio. Hello, Jean-Luc. It's been a long time. Too long, old friend. This man is terrifying looking. (laughs) To me, anyway. Yeah. He's got kind of a... Not a full-blown death's head, but he definitely looks like a guy that you could cast in the role of of death. Here's who he reminded me of immediately. And I actually had to look it up to make sure it wasn't the same guy. You remember in Pee-wee's Big Adventure uh-huh. when Pee-wee gets dropped off after the ride with Large Marge? <laughs> and he's in the diner, and there's like, yeah, Large Marge dropped me off. And the guy who tells the story of Large Marge <laughs> looks like Walter Keel. <laughs> Worst accident I ever seen. It's not him. Why couldn't Large Marge have been a starship captain? Warp drive sounded like a dump truck. (laughs) Dropped off the Empire State Building. (laughs) (laughs) We're really going for three people in the audience right now. (laughs) I don't know. I think that there's like a demographic that grew up with all these references, right? Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Please review us if so. So Picard and Keel are on the blower. Walker Keel is like, look, man, something's up. And you can't tell anyone, but there's weird shit going down in the Federation. Stuff I can't really describe to you on a FaceTime, but we got to hook up in person. He doesn't trust that Apple hasn't made a, uh, a backdoor for the FBI on this call. Sure. So he's like, look, make up any excuse you want. I know you're on your way to Pacifica, but you got to meet us. We got to do this yeah. in person. This is a face-to-face. We're going to need to see you at Italics B as soon as you can get there. Right. And so Picard comes on the bridge and just kind of says, like, change course, make this happen. Don't ask me any questions. I'm, I'm fucking done with you assholes. <laughs> like, is this the part of the show where he says... Uh, Increase to warp six. I sir, full impulse. Oh, I, did, I didn't notice that. Did he say that? Yeah, he does. <laughs> Whoops. Oh. Yeah, Jordy's too busy telling sex jokes to Data to, <laughs> to enter in a proper speed. He's responding to a different kind of impulse. <laughs> did you notice that Denise Crosby is still in the credits? Yes, I did. Point? That's weird, right? Rest in peace, Denise Crosby. Do you think she's still getting paid? Uh, that's an interesting bit of contractual trivia that I would like to know more about, I think. Like when you sign on to do a season of a show... Yeah. Uh, are you credited for the entire season, if even if you're killed partway through? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But, yeah, she's on it. This has been Star Trek Union Rules <laughs> cast. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to get 10 emails uh, telling us exactly why that's the case. I hope not. <laughs> yeah. Just, just don't. We're starting to get corrected on our fucking grammar, which, like, you know, I guess is sort of a sign that we've grown to a certain point that there's now at least one grammar freak in our in our listenership but man like we are doing this extemporaneously this is not a scripted show we don't have to have correct written grammar fuck off does this sound scripted to anyone (laughs) (laughs) If, if we were writing this as a script i would be so ashamed if the person who wrote in correcting our grammar actually thinks this is scripted i think that they have a traumatic head injury and they need <laughs> they need medical attention immediately. I challenge grammar write-inners to make a podcast that is entertaining and also grammatically bulletproof. <laughs> uh, it really begs the question why we even do this show anymore. Yeah. Oh, baby, 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 baby.
So they get to Ditalix B. Ditalix B is a planet and also a product that leaves you with shiny flake-free hair. <laughs> Ditalix C is only available by prescription, so right. consult your physician. <laughs> uh, so they get there and there's a couple of frigates and uh and like a they call out a couple of ship classes and it's yeah. it pisses me off that you never see them. Yeah, you never see them and it's like, man, like what would a federation frigate look like? Cuz that's a gunship, right? Like that's a yeah. that's like a small ship that's like overpowered for war. Yeah. And the other one's a cruiser. Yeah, heavy cruiser. So what the fuck? Yeah, missed opportunity there. Yeah, it would have been nice to see those ships. These ships do not respond to hails and Picard is pissed at war for having even tried to hail him up. Yeah, this is on the back of the conversation he has with the bridge crew after receiving the message from Keel. He's like, look, we're going to divert to another planet, and nothing about this goes in the log, all right? Like, right. just shut up about it. And, like, part of that is that Keel has said, like, Picard might not be able to trust his own crew with whatever yeah. is going down. And the other part, I think, is Picard is going to like humor his friend, but doesn't want a bunch of paperwork to justify to the command later when they're like, why, when you were supposed to be at Pacifica, were you super late? And why did you go to Ditalics B? Right, right. You know, you don't have any hair, Picard. (laughs) You don't need Ditalics B. Yeah. They do detect three life signs on the planet service. And uh, Picard says like, that's where I'm going. Send the coordinates of that to the to the transporter room. Uh, I'll see you guys in a bit. Yeah, it's pretty great. So he beams down and meets up with Keel and a couple of other captains. And he is told the story of their conspiracy concern. The idea being is that uh, there's a bunch of suspicious deaths of high-ranking officers. They evacuated an entire starbase for a couple of days for no reason at all. Ships are being deployed in weird ways around the fleet. Things are just not adding up. But none of these stories necessarily indicate, like... There's nothing malicious that's detectable at this point, but it, shit seems weird. Yeah, and and Picard at this point is still, like, humoring them. Like, yeah, all right, like, yeah, I can see some of this isn't really adding up. And, you know, Quinn was on board my ship not too long ago, and he mentioned things were a little weird, too. Um and he just sort of goes, all right, well, good meeting. Uh, I'm going to head back to the ship now. And uh, he is just told to watch his back. Like when Picard shows up, they really like give him the third degree about whether he is who he says he is. So we're immediately on to the idea that there's some kind of body snatcher or right. alien that can impersonate you almost flawlessly situation. And... Um, one of the captains that's there says they have no memory and that's their weakness. And that is like the worst weakness for a body snatcher alien. Right, right. Because the second you go like, what color was the boathouse at your college? They go green and you go, your college didn't have a boathouse, you know. Yeah, you're pretty much fucked. Yeah. Like the strengths, as we will come to know them, are kicking people in the face. Yeah. And no gag reflex. (laughs) <laughs> the weakness is memory. It is the guiding principle of a dark reading face. Have you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth? You don't deserve to wear that uniform. Picard gets back up to the ship, and the first person he talks to when he gets back to the Enterprise is Troy. 
and um, she's not really buying this conspiracy theory either. Like Picard really trusts Walker Keel, but Troy doesn't know him from Adam. And she's like, you know, like, wouldn't we have known if there was like some dirty shit going on at the highest reaches of the of the Federation? Like, what are we talking about here? So Picard goes and, and grabs data for this project. This is like one of the weirdest scenes. He walks up to data and he says, I have a little project for you, data. And it plays perfectly into some of your strengths. And it cuts to Data for like a sustained four or five second shot of him just looking really satisfied with himself. <laughs> yeah, that was an odd time filling production decision there. Yeah, it's like, uh, we need like four more seconds before the commercial break. Uh, shoot Brent Spiner going like, I'm great. Like you couldn't have given him four more seconds of speedy information on the computer screen, you know, because cause yeah. part of what he's doing is he's reviewing a bunch of computer information, trying to see if there's any evidence of a conspiracy. Basically to to verify whether this series of strange orders and everything that the other captains were talking about holds up under any kind of scrutiny. And Data's the right guy to provide that scrutiny. So that's it. They're going to go back and uh, keep keep heading toward Pacifica and uh, do the mission that they are ostensibly supposed to be on when they detect a strange disturbance and they go divert again to look into it and it's a cloud of debris that is slowly expanding out and... I'm sorry, sir. It can only be the Horatio. Which is Walker Keel's ship. We feel this very keenly. I mean, like in his conversation with Counselor Troy, he says like his two best buds going way back were Jack Crusher and Walker Keel. And now they're both dead. They have both bought the farm. This moment sort of gives weight to their suspicions because down on the planet, Keel mentioned that he couldn't even trust his first officer anymore or, or his chief medical officer either. Like he felt like he was surrounded by people he didn't recognize anymore, people he used to, he's known for years, acting weird. He felt like he was in danger by just being on that ship, and that danger was realized when when the ship explodes later. Yeah, shit's getting tense, and, and, and this, this Pacifica mission is just going to have to wait. They decide that the best thing to do is go check out what's going on on Earth, and uh, Data is able to confirm that the series of orders that are being issued uh, from uh, Starfleet Command do, in fact, bespeak something being up. I believe it is a clandestine attempt to control vital sectors of Federation territory. It's the same meaning where uh, Picard just sort of informs the rest of the the bridge crew that the ship might be real, and not only that, I think we got to go back home, right back to Starfleet Command at Earth, and, and see if we can't solve what this might be. What you get here is a really cool, I think for the first time, did we get this in the first episode? But you get the the Enterprise returning to Earth scene, which yeah. is beautiful and great. Totally. And it's, it's, like, it's like traveling toward Earth, you know, past the moon. It's beautiful, beautiful composition of the shot. Always uh, brings a swelling, nostalgic emotion, I think. They always do this well. Yeah. And even they get Starfleet Command on the blower, on the view screen, and even even the admirals are like... Of course, we are always delighted when the Enterprise returns to the nest. But boy, is it weird that they are just all sitting there together. There's three admirals. Among them is, uh, is Admiral Quinn. But uh, there's another 
old human guy and a Vulcan guy. And uh, apparently they have just been sitting shoulder to shoulder waiting for, for, for the Enterprise to call. Waiting by the phone. As old people do. <laughs> Why haven't you called me? <laughs> Hi, Grandpa. Uh, <laughs> just been really busy. I wanted Bunko this week. <laughs> oh, yeah? How is the old folks home? Are you enjoying yourself? They don't make the French toast like I like it. <laughs> Have any of your friends died recently? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to yes and that. Yeah. Uh, Let's get out of that bit like that immediately. That sucked. My love is a peep of longing till for that which longer nurses the disease. So they're like, why are you here? What's going on? Anyways, why don't you all come to dinner? You and uh, Commander Riker. Sounds great. And, uh... <laughs> And they're like, okay, we'll come to dinner. And Quinn is like, oh, I would love to, but I can't. I'm busy. And by the way, I want to come up to the ship uh, for totally unrelated reasons. They're like, okay, come on up. And then uh, when the view screen goes dead, Picard goes to Riker like, Quinn like wants to warn us about something. That's what's going on here. So Yeah. Way they, off, Picard. No, yeah, you fucking missed that by a mile. Yeah, because Quinn is loading up a trapper keeper with what we see is sort of a little pink bug. Yeah, creepy little pink bug. And uh, guess who Guess who walks in while he's doing that? Commander Remick. Quagmire himself. <laughs> yeah, the dickhole that was, uh, that was taking the ship apart piece by piece looking for what was wrong a few episodes back is Big Dog and Quinn in this scene. Yeah, complicit in the conspiracy. Yeah, so Quinn beams up and Riker offers to show him around. Picard's going to beam down ahead of him. I get some real haunted house vibes from this scene. Like, they know they're in danger. Yeah. They know they're approaching Starfleet Command under circumstances that are real suspicious. Right. And yet, like, Picard beams down alone. Unarmed. Real creepy foreshadowing. This is, I mean, this is a, a a very, like, spooky episode. There's a lot of scary ideas and, and moments in it, and and I, I I don't fault them for using for some of the tropes of horror right. in, uh, in setting that up. So the captain beams down. He's uh, greeted by the other two admirals and, uh, and Remick, and uh, he's like, there's a lot that makes him feel uneasy, like not only the way they're acting, but also just the fact that like Starfleet Command Headquarters is kind of a ghost town. He says like, why is nobody around? Like it was, this was like a busy ass hallway last time I was standing in it. They do that thing where, you know, they greet him with a drink yeah. and they, they, they fill all, everyone's glasses and, and Picard just can't bring himself to touch yeah. it to his lips. Yeah, he's like, what's it, in this? <laughs> Yeah, like like he's seen the roofie trick before. Like yeah. you gotta you gotta do something different to get one over on Picard. You're not gonna put that one past me, Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> you're putting the roofie in the drink and you're giving it to me, Theo, and I'm not gonna drink it. I'm your dad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no one's going to Picasby Picard himself, that's for sure. No. 
You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen. So I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Back on the Enterprise, uh, Riker uh, 
shows Quinn to his quarters and I think he asks him about what is in his uh his trapper keeper and uh Quinn's like, Oh, this was actually for the doctor, but uh, you know, we can make uh I could show you. It's actually a superior life form. And Riker's like, What do you mean superior life form? And Quinn's and, like, let me show you. Yeah. <laughs> Zip. <laughs> uh, yeah, he opens up the Trapper Keeper with that Velcro sound, that... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Riker's like, you're acting real weird. And it, and he, he tries to leave, and Quinn's like... It won't like your science officer. It does like you. And quickly starts to put a whoop on Riker. I think Riker tries to throw the first punch, but Quinn just throws like one of the greatest roundhouse kicks of all time. This fight scene is so great because they don't even try to obscure that they're stuntmen. No, yeah, this is definitely the same guy that they use when Data is dodging lasers, (laughs) like just with with gray hair instead of green tan. Just an ill-fitting wig, an ill-fitting uniform, and and a bunch of axe kicks. Yeah, he's like about... 60 or 75 pounds lighter than Ward Costello, the actor that's portraying Quinn. But, uh, God, boy. and Riker just gets the shit kicked out of him. Yeah, he really earns earns the nickname Gregory Roundhouse Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, before Riker, before Riker goes through the glass coffee table, he's able to call security. And the security detail that shows up is Geordie and Worf. <laughs> Uh, who both also get their asses whooped. I feel like it's sort of like a character coughing and you know that they're going to be dead in a little while. (laughs) The presence of a glass coffee table on this show. (laughs) You know someone's going through that coffee table. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They don't Dustbuster squad them, do they? Like, Worf and Jordy show up and they get their asses kicked. Yeah. It's like it's a lot of hand to hand and and you know you think that Worf might be up for this and they even make the implication that that's what's going to go down but uh it winds up being Dr. Crusher who uh who phasers Quinn enough to put him out of uh out of his consciousness. You'd think like like a bunch of fire extinguisher stations in a shopping mall like that there would be at pretty regular intervals a phaser station that you just break the glass on. <laughs> In case something goes down on the ship. And yeah. it seems like when you need a phaser in this scene, there is none to be found. Yeah, no phasers close at hand. Beverly Crusher's got those pockets to her doctor's uniform. I bet she's sticking phasers in there. Oh, you think she's just always packing? Wouldn't you? She comes with that heat. Yeah, I think so. At least the little clicker phaser, the little uh, little car key. Yeah. Maybe that's why she gets maybe that's why she gets stationed at uh, Starfleet Medical in the next season cuz they're like we we need you to teach all the uh, all the up and coming doctors that are going to station on ships to be strapped cuz right. shit goes down and people don't have phasers and that's a problem. And Starfleet Medical is it's not necessarily under our purview, but we're going to take this issue seriously. Crusher fucking lights him up and yeah. we know that they were friends. Like like she loves Quinn. Yeah. And she phasers the shit out of him, like all the way down to the ground. Like she's she's basically clicked the button so that the button stays down. <laughs> and that phaser beam just takes him down to the floor until he's incapacitated. Yeah. She wastes him. She comes close to wasting him. But they get they get him to uh the the sick bay and they're like, Yeah, like shit is just strange. Like he's super strong and like the readings are all weird. 
And then she rolls him over to like put a hypo spray on him and she notices a little gooey nubbin coming out of the back of his neck. If you're around enough old people, I think you might confuse this for just an old person skin tag, though. (laughs) Man, this scene was the scariest thing to me when I was a little kid and I saw this. Like, the idea of an alien inside your body and it has something that comes outside of your body to breathe just scared the bejesus out of me. Yeah, the trade-off for having super strength is having the alien in your body with its tail sticking out of your neck. Like, that doesn't seem like a fair trade. Yeah. So Picard is about to go into dinner with the other admirals, and um, she radios down to him that uh, they've basically figured out what is going on. And what is going on is that these aliens are wrapping themselves around the brain stems of affected officers, controlling their minds, giving them super strength. There's only one way to stop them, and it's by setting your phaser to kill. And, you know, Picard reminds everybody that... Doctor, one does not beam down to Starfleet headquarters armed. So he has no choice but to go into dinner and try and play it cool until until the cavalry can show up. And at the very end of the call, uh, Riker has gotten up from from his hospital bed in yep. sort of a menacing fashion. Yeah, he, he scares the shit out of Crusher. And it sort of smash cuts down to the surface, so you don't know what's going on. Yeah, like the, the, the Enterprise could be getting fucked right up at this moment. So uh, Picard sits down to the dinner table, and they set a bowl in front of him, and he takes the lid off, and it is a writhing bowl of worms. And he is real grossed out. And They really up the volume on the, on the worm sound, too. Yeah, like, they, they, they stuck a microphone in a bowl of wet spaghetti and stirred it around in the uh, Foley department to get this sound effect. It was really effectively gross. Yeah, totally. You know, Remick and the admirals take their seats, and some random yellow shirt sits down and also starts digging in and eating, eating these worms, and they're like... Have some worms, Picard. They're so they're so delicious. Eat hearty, brother. Relish in your body. And the way he puts it is just uh it's so gross. Yeah. As if the idea of a of a bug inside of your body attached to the base of your skull with a tail sticking out to breathe isn't gross enough. These things also eat worms. Yep. I am the cutest of all. And so Picard basically, like, can't stand it. Like, he's not going to eat these fucking worms with these fucking mind-controlled admirals. And he's like, all right, I can't take this. Like, I don't care what these people think. I'm just sitting here making myself nauseous with this ugly food that stink. They tried to Picosby him. They tried to get him to eat worms. It's just one gross indignity after another. So he tries to bounce, but the doors part... And I don't know if you noticed this, but I think these are the doors that become the doors for 10 forward. Yeah, they look the same to me. Yeah. He's trying to he's trying to go out of them, but who should appear but Commander Riker? And Commander Riker is acting very strange. And Riker is quickly demonstrating himself to be on the side of the mind-controlled admirals. And they even go so far as to push up the edge of his hair and find the 
little gill that is protruding from the back of his neck. So Picard is in a real pickle because the first officer of his ship and the admiralty of his military organization are against him and are going to attempt to make him one of them by making him ingest one of these bugs. Right. He's surrounded by enemies and he has no weapons. To make it worse, before they do that to him, they're going to sit him down and make him eat these worms and watch them eat more worms like he's gonna have to sit here and think about what's about to happen to him and and they all sit back down and Riker grabs up a big pile of gooey gooey worms and is about to dump them into his mouth when yeah his 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 way of doing it like if you were gonna eat some worms like with your hands Mm -hmm. I imagine you'd grab a couple of worms and you'd like just put them in your mouth from below the way Riker does it, though, is he is he grabs like a claw machine from an arcade. Yeah, as if his arm was like a crane. Yeah, he he like lifts it over over his head. He tilts his head up and is ready to drop them into his mouth. Yeah, he's he's using the same approach that a stoner does with Cheetos, which is kind of just get as many as you can claw up and then tilt your head back and kind of drop them into your mouth. But instead, he starts phasering people, and Picard is real Johnny on the spot. He uh, grabs a, a phaser off the floor that he's... I guess he knocks it out of somebody's hand. Little uh, little dust up. They knock everybody up, but one of the admirals splits and runs down the hall, so they have to uh, run around and chase him. Everybody that gets phasered and goes down uh, has this super wide jaw opening scene where an insect climbs out of their mouth which is also really gross and it looks like it's like the kind of stop motion animation that henry selick did for the life aquatic where it's like little uh creature that's stop motioning around and it I, i feel like that really adds to the creepiness it felt very clash of the titans to me like clash of the titan skeleton style yeah not a lot of tweening no they, they gun down the last admiral, and then they find Remick, who is dicking around on a huge screen, using a huge chair for some reason. And he turns around, and uh, one of these bugs crawls into the room and, like, crawls up the leg of his pants and onto his, onto his shoulder. And he opens his mouth and lets it crawl inside. And uh, he, like, slurps up the last little bit. That this was the scene where, as a kid, you just start screaming. Like, yeah. it is horrifying. At any age, it's horrifying. Totally. Yeah, I mean, like, I'd say that, like, if you wanted to make one criticism, the bugs look a little cheap now. Sure. But it's still, it's still like genuinely like a great freak out moment. Of course, and and like when you when you see what you've had up until this episode, you had an oil slick monster just yeah. a couple episodes ago, and now you have real live bugs crawling into people's mouths and yeah. giving them super strength. Like, I I can't emphasize enough how you do not see this coming. No. So they only have one thing to do here, and that is take Remick out because uh, his neck is pulsating. He he was a real dick the last time they met him, anyways. Remick's yeah. talking about, look, guys, we just want peaceful coexistence. Like, yeah. like, let's be partners in yeah. this. Let in us, this thing. let us parasitize your entire species. Like, that's there's nothing wrong with that. Don't you want to kick some ass, like Quinn? Yeah, you'll get those sweet roundhouse moves. <laughs> the captain and the uh, and Commander Riker are not into it, and they they open up on 
on Remick and his head <laughs> melts and pops off. It's a real like uh, like uh, Ark of the Covenant kind of yeah. effect where like his face melts away and you see his like giant ghoul teeth and eyes before before it explodes. And then like his chest is still on fire and like a hole burns away and in the like stump of his body this huge <laughs> ghoulish monster that looks like the kind of world's worst HR Geiger queen kind of kind of thing yeah starts yeah. rearing its head and screaming at them and then they they phaser the shit out of that as well it looked like if the alien from aliens like the one that hatches out of the chest yeah looked like the predator right like that's that's what this guy looked like to me totally and they again sort of like dr crusher how she you know you can double click the phaser button and it just sort of holds down and, <laughs> it, and and the beam just continues yeah they do that here they're just phasering the shit out of remick they they blow up his head they blow up his body did you notice that it was Riker that blew up his head uh no i, I don't think i did pretty much cementing the fact that uh, Riker hated him from the start. Yeah, Riker was, was like, all too happy to blow him up. Fuck this little upstart. Better hope that seat was leather too. <laughs> yeah, like there is there is gore everywhere. Yeah, man, that is not going to buff out very easily. Ah, <laughs> uh, and the smell—can you imagine? Can't even imagine. They're going to find that seat out back of Starfleet Command next to the dumpster with a sign that just says uh, "free." He just kept talking in one long. So the aftermath, they just sort of like, they sort of take in the gore, and and so they beam back up to the ship, and talk to Doctor Crusher, who is with Quinn, and he's better. Yeah, the idea being is that once the Queen is dead, all of the other parasites are dead as well. This sort of follows up on a really big concern that Crusher had. Right. Uh, she's she's with Quinn in sickbay and is like I don't know if I can separate Quinn from the parasite without killing him right. uh, like we need more time to study this thing turns out once the queen's dead uh, all the other parasites die too so Which that kind of does the work for yeah these things work on the like vampire logic where the right. the, the the one that did done the biting gets killed and, and all of the bad stuff goes away the episode ends on kind of a somber and portentous note which is that the the what Remick was doing on that computer before they before they blasted him was sending a signal to a distant quadrant of the galaxy and all they can think of is that it was probably a homing beacon so dun 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 it's really setting the table for the time when we run into these parasites again right in uh i don't know what what other uh I was thinking it would, have been, it would have been cool to have like a Voyager episode about this, right? I know. This was a real missed opportunity. Voyager called back to stuff that happened in, in The Next Generation in a couple of episodes. So there's no reason that they couldn't have couldn't have done that. But This could have been a really sweet story arc yeah. to, to return to. And unfortunately, not to give too much away, they never do. No. What a shame. One of the great episodes, beginning to end. Super like, fun to watch, yeah. Ton of action, a uh, ton of gross, 
unexpected gross, especially when you're an 11 year old. Yeah. Like, like sitting on the floor watching this. Like, yeah. Your expectations are fucked with. Yeah, and and genuinely super scary. Like definitely that part really held up for me. Like I felt genuine suspense as as they go through the episode and genuine disgust when you're supposed to be disgusted like it really it really holds together in my opinion yeah i mean the the danger picard is in when he goes down alone to starfleet command is like i totally felt that as an Mm -hmm. adult watching like that was that's a great scene no matter what year and it it really shows off like what a brave a brave character picard is you know like he takes a lot of risks in this episode that you know they start as risks that he's taken on behalf of a friend and then become risks that he's taking on behalf of starfleet and he is is confident enough in himself to take those risks and see the actions that he's taking through and uh, i think that's pretty cool Darmok, Angelad, and I have some questions. Yeah. So you got these three admirals down there who had uh, the surviving admirals, and they had the bugs in them, and mm-hmm. now the bugs have crawled out and they're dead. Quinn's one of them. Like, do you get to still be an admiral after this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I guess Remick is the only one that really dies, right? Yeah. And Quinn beat the shit out of three bridge officers on the Enterprise. Like, you think they're going to be cool with him after that? Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of things like that in Star Trek where you know somebody has been possessed by some alien force and does some crazy shit and then the next episode nobody is acting sketched out by them nobody nobody has any journey to take to get back to a place of trust right remick was a guy i love to hate and uh like while his death was spectacular and fun yeah uh, i was sorry to see him go yeah, he could have been like the Gul Dukat of of TNG, I feel like. Kind of Yeah, a, like a real a real shitbag that returns from time to time. Yeah. You just pepper him into any episode. I mean, and there's plenty of like commander type commander remic types that that come mm-hmm. back uh later. But yeah, he's a, like and and sort of the prototype for those those characters, I would say. Yeah, god, this really this episode really to me, it felt like when the show turned a corner, mm-hmm. like and and actually like showed the promise of what it could be. For like, sure. And it's not just because of the violence. Like that's not it. This was a complex story told well in the span of forty minutes. Yeah, there's so much that happens. Like that whole se- surface of the planet scene. Like it's a it's a thrill a minute. Yeah. Good job. Good show. Ben, did you have a drunk Shimoda for this episode? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. Drunk Shimoda is a term we use to uh, discuss a character in every episode that we find is either uh, doing something strangely or having the most fun, uh, maybe acting out a scene that we don't quite understand. Uh, We do it every episode. Uh, It's a name given in honor of Assistant Engineer Shimoda from episode two. I'm going to nominate the yellow shirt that just randomly comes in and eats bugs with them. Just because he was like, he was just like some anonymous guy who just like came and sat down at the admiral table, you know, (laughs) he's like a lieutenant or something. He's like, oh, I'll sit with you guys. Uh, You guys having bugs? Cool. Me too. 
I love the idea that he doesn't have a rank high enough to have a parasite. He's just wanting to impress the parasite people <laughs> enough enough to get one eventually. Yeah. Like, Do you guys like? Uh, hey guys, I think he's like a fucking lieutenant. Yeah. Like he's just a random. He is random task yeah. in there, and uh, and he's just. Hey guys, uh, you guys eating these bugs? You're I gonna, can do that. You gonna finish those parasites or? Everybody got a parasite that wants one? What's up? I'm not even one of you guys, and I dig these bugs. I would be great at this. <laughs> he's out in the hallway, like, stretching his legs for the upcoming kicks he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man, I th- I'm, I'm starting to get pretty high with these roundhouses. Yo, yo, uh, Admiral Quinn, what do you think of this? Oh! Throws his back out. I've got to give the drunk Shimoda to Picard. I just don't know how anyone has the the confidence to beam down to Starfleet Command unarmed, given what he portends to know of what's happening. That just seems like unnecessarily dangerous, like unnecessarily confident. I don't get that decision at all. That seems nonsensical to me in a very drunken Shimoda way. <laughs> <laughs> well... I think we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one, Adam. Keister Akifab phaser, man. Yeah, that's what they're made for. They go yeah. in your butt. I am Locutus aboard. You will respond to my questions. I am Locutus aboard. You are bored. I got another 10 minutes. I want to keep talking about the episode. We can use it or, <laughs> we can use it or not. Is that okay? Sounds fine. Okay. So you are Quinn, and you've got the Trapper Keeper with the bug in it. Uh-huh. Is the doctor really who you want? to give it to first like if you could give it to anyone i get it i get the strategy of the doctor because you want the doctor on your side when she's scanning people for the bugs but well she's i think Riker should have been the choice from the start as soon as you separate Riker from picard you got to give him the bug i'm going to justify this on two levels one is that she is the medical officer so she's the only person on the ship that can take picard out of command uh, for medical reasons, and those medical reasons might lead to her infecting him. Mm-hmm. And also, I think there's something in this episode that sort of made me think about the the holy trinity of the original series of Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, mm-hmm. and the way they are kind of like like Spock and McCoy are are kind of co-equal sidekicks to Kirk. And in a way, they're almost all three equals. And the the way they, you know, the way they interact in the films even cements that further. And I think that it's sort of a shame that the Doctor doesn't kind of live on that same foothold in The Next Generation. You know, I think she's such a great character, but I think because she's a girl and because she got kicked out for a season, she never quite kind of rises to that level. Is that the reason? You know, like, if, if you were getting on board the original series Enterprise and you were going to infect the captain and another officer, you might pick Bones, you know? Sure, sure. I mean, I could see the logic in picking Spock. Well, uh, turning it towards this crew, then, who is this crew's holy trinity? Well, I, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's, I think it's data... Riker and Picard in this in this series but I I kind of I it made me think of the idea of what if it had been Dr. Crusher 
Riker and Picard. That would have been cool. I think the feeling of infection becomes far more devastating. God, and I, you know what? I hesitate to say this, and we might edit all this out, but is the danger more acute or more gross if it's a woman involved? Like, to see something terrible happen to Beverly in the way that it happens to Remick, for example. Right. Like, you might argue in 1989 or whatever, that is a step too far. Yeah. Every bad thing in this episode happens to a man. That's true. And I'm not saying that for any privileged gender reason. I'm just wondering if that was a discussion that happens in the writer's room and they go, yeah, I mean, we can we can fill up all these... It's going to be too upsetting. Yeah, exactly. We can fill all the guys up with bugs, but... I mean, we just can't do that to Beverly. Right. Like, I wonder if that was a thing. And I wonder if that feeling is related to the idea that she's not one of the Trinity either. Yeah. Like, maybe she's A, not important enough, and B, also a female. Yeah. This is part of the frustration of having an episode like this that teases a possible story to come that you never get. Like, you start replaying the episode you've got and maybe the the alternate versions that could have taken place as a result like it's such a rich foundation for storytelling that they don't return to and that's i think a major frustration yeah i totally agree so you get a little bit of deanna troy in the beginning uh but you never see her again and she's again one of those characters that could be the most useful in the circumstance right yeah like you you wonder like what she's able to pick up on with these with these things are they another intelligence? Even if it was a throwaway line, it would have been nice to know that. Like, if yeah. she just looks at Picard and was like, I, I don't know, I can't tell. Like, that would be interesting. This episode almost feels like it could have, they could have written a double episode out of it. Yeah. Like, there's there's so much to, like, to sink your teeth into, the idea of, of a conspiracy. Like, it would have been cool to have, like a like, a stopover at a space station and really, like, flesh out what the command structure of starfleet looks like and like how insidious this this plot is like it would have been interesting for them to meet somebody that they couldn't really tell one way or the other if they were uh if they were compromised like they don't know them well enough yeah really draw out that that conflict yeah there's enough meat on this bone too to stretch it like it felt it felt like such a tight compact episode that yeah it was pretty breathless well maybe maybe this episode did something that our episode of The Greatest Generation we're recording right now is failing to, which is leaving them wanting more. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. What's coming up next on our, uh, on our first season of Star Trek The Next Generation? Our next episode is the last episode, I believe. And it is what? The Neutral Zone. The last episode of season one. Yeah. Not of the show. What if we just did season one? <laughs> I was momentarily really excited. <laughs> uh, the neutral zone. While traveling to a meeting with the hostile Romulans, the crew discover a ship containing three frozen Americans from the 20th century. This is another episode I'm kind of excited to, uh, to do. Do you remember this one, Adam? I really don't. Uh, not one bit. I think that's because conspiracy just like blew Zap, up my brain, zapped your brain. Yeah. So yeah. they, I remember they have they find like some some cryogenically frozen humans from our time, and mm-hmm. they like thaw them out, and they're like, 
there's like one guy who's like, I got to check on my bank account. The interest alone is going to be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, dude, we don't have money anymore. (laughs) We got these scarves, though. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so... uh, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. What does the uh, what does the reception look like? Uh, the smug moralizing with regard to the three 20th century refugees is laid on a bit too thick. <laughs> what this show? First season ends not with a bang but with a whimper. <laughs> God, you know what that that is an interesting thing to bring up. Like, how do you not make conspiracy your season finale? Yeah, I guess we'll find out when we watch the next episode why they chose it, but. Wow, uh, when you talk about ending with a bang. Yeah. Like, we have some guy's head explode in this episode. There's I, no bigger bang than that. I feel like, yeah, like maybe... I sort of wish they'd like written Yar off like a little bit later. Like, yeah. why like three episodes before the end of the of the series? Like, If Tasha Yar gets killed during Conspiracy, I feel like her death is way more heroic. Yeah. And, and weighty. As it is right now, like... It, it just felt sort of meaningless and empty. Right. If they'd had to phaser their own officer because she oh. was compromised. Oh, that would have been amazing. Oh, man. That's crazy Jeez. to think about. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's some next level sci-fi that I don't think you get for another 10 years. Yeah. 10 well, or even 20 years. Like That's that's like a Battlestar Galactica yeah. storyline right there. Well, Adam, Jeez. like reboots are very hot these days. What do you, what do you think the likelihood is that Paramount would hire us to reboot Star Trek: The Next Generation with a hot young cast? I'd take that job in a heartbeat. Just oh my sort God. of a Dawson's Creek version yeah. of of TNG. Yeah, Wouldn't all that the be fun? WB teens. Mm-hmm. It'd be great. I'd write the shit out of that show. So would you? Yeah, that would be really fun. I think we belong in a writer's room. I think if there's one thing that this podcast has taught anyone is that uh, any possible reboots of this or any other sci-fi franchise, I think could, could use our commentary yeah. specifically. Yep. This is just one big job interview, Ben. Yeah. Here's hoping that uh, whoever at, at Paramount is running the, the next series is listening. I enjoy challenges. And I guess if there's one weakness I have, it's that I work too hard. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Where do you see yourself in five years? God, uh, probably as a leadership figure for this company. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be your boss, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, delightful. Well, this has been great. Looking forward to hearing from you guys. Let me know if HR needs any more uh, references. I've got a lot of them. <laughs> wow. Well, that was conspiracy. That was a fun episode. Yeah, and man. And we went a little long on this one, I think, for a good reason. There's a lot to discuss. Well, well uh you know, we'll try and keep the uh, keep the uh, lighter episodes short, but the the, the faves get get extendo apps. I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Good policy. If you have a problem with this or any other episode we've recorded, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Cut for Time. Mine is at Benjamin R. That's Benjamin A H R. Uh, we have state to claim to the hashtag Greatest Gen. Yeah. Joke around with us on Greatest Gen. Uh, we have lots of fun times over there. And uh, People are posting pictures of their Star Trek cards. Yeah. Which has been a real delight. Making memes and stuff. Uh, people are telling us about the drunk Shimoda shirt and how exciting an idea that is. People uh, are correcting our grammar. It's fun. 
Uh, we gotta thank uh, we gotta thank Dark Materia for our opening and interstitial music. We thank him always. Uh, I think it's one of the things that makes this show. With that, we'll be back at you next time with a, another great episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation and another pretty disappointing episode of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Catch you next time, Adam. See you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.